the show must go on, I guess. It's the news. According to me. Oh, good. it's still morning. Still morning. I think it's still morning here. Yep, still morning. Looking at my clock. 11.52 a.m. Tuesday, October 31st, last day of the month. We are rapidly approaching the end of this year as we press into winter time. There was a freeze warning last night. And it froze. There's some water out. Yeah, I got some water and some on some standing on some things. <clears throat> Outside there, and sure enough, it's frozen. Yep. It's official. The uh, winter is here. So we have... Um, I have a show for you today. Not the show I was hoping to have. I was, I had, I had, yesterday I had all these plans for what I was going to do for the show today. And uh, work keeps getting in the way. There's all kinds of things that keep getting in the way. Um, and it looks like today's not going to be any different. In fact, that's why the show is so late this morning again. It's because of other things. And frankly, I just, I really had a hard time getting out of bed today. I mean, I, I did get up. I got up before six o'clock this morning. Um, but wow, it's been, uh, you know, tomorrow morning, I possibly might have to get up about uh, 3.30 in the morning, which is going to be a little bit of a, a hassle because I've been training my body this whole month, whole month of October, I've had to stay up late. And now it's, 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 I think it's harder to, it's, it's probably easier for me to go back the other direction because I, I typically am an early riser and I do better in the morning. I don't mind working early in the morning as long as I can take a nap in the evening or go to bed early. I don't, I don't mind going to bed early. Some people like to stay up late. That's fine. I don't I don't function well that way just because it's 7 o'clock at night. I'm ready to be done. I just, I'm, I'm done. I just as soon eat supper. Maybe watch a YouTube video and fall asleep. That's all. That's what I, that's what I do. So I have... Um, a couple of things to talk about. One, one thing I actually uh, sent myself a, a, a link. I don't know if I can see if I can play this. I don't know if it's uh, – I just sent it to myself in a text message. It is Tim Poole. It makes a, makes a really interesting comment. Um, it doesn't make any comments at all about my cup, and I, I don't know why. I, in my cup, I only have one drink this morning. I only have uh, – or yeah, it's still this morning. I have uh, one drink, and it's it's – Sweet tea is all I have. I don't have any. I had my chai already. My morning routine usually is to uh, get up, let the dogs out, make sure that they're not uh, do anything in the house. The one dog's pretty good. He, he, he never he never does. But the other dog has issues. Uh, he's got some. His back legs are kind of giving out on him, and he's got some. Well, he's a lot like me. He's just getting old, and he's uh, he's having trouble with that end of his body. And uh, occasionally he has to go and he just can't wait. And he's, he's you know, it, it happens. So he, uh, he ended up, uh, yeah, he, you know, he did, I have to slide him out as much as I can when, you know, I'm around. And anytime he starts to get up and start moving around, if he licks my hand or does anything and he pretends like he needs, he's trying to get my attention, I'll just, we're going outside. Here we go. We're going outside. So we um, went outside. We go outside first thing in the morning and he has to take some pills. Or uh, for various reasons, antibiotics and some stuff because he's got some issues with his nostrils. The girl is, has rhinitis. Anyway, so we have uh, that issue going on plus the pain in his hips and stuff. And so he takes some, some you know, got him all hopped up on pills. And he, uh, in order to do that, I have to put some, I have to give him some little bit of food. So that they get their, they get, both of them get their breakfast in the morning. And we go outside again because usually after he eats, he has to potty again. So we do that. And they come back in and they get their little dentist sticks, which is take care of their little teethies, tooths, toothuses. This whole time, usually I have my, I'm working on breakfast for myself. And uh, take my vitamins, take my, eat my breakfast. I let them back in. So the, the, um, yeah, it, it's uh, it's quite an ordeal. It takes about an hour to get all that done, or half an hour at least, usually. And uh, so like, that, that's all done. That's all done. But then then this then the you know all the other stuff starts falling into place. All the stuff I got to get I got to get done. So uh, or or just you know I'm just so tired from that point I got to take another nap. 
which typically that's normally the way things go. I usually I get all that done and I got I'm, I'm wiped out. I got to take a nap. It's my morning nap. That way I that way I can do my it's my early morning nap and then I, I take my late morning nap uh, after my my mid morning nap because I I'm so wiped out from taking all these naps. I have to take another nap. This is this this show now is kind of cutting into my uh, late morning nap time. So just so you know, so if I. If I just all of a sudden pull out a pillow and, t- and take a nap uh, here while I'm recording, you'll, you'll understand why there's just no, nothing going on. You just have to wait. You have to listen to me breathe for a while. Snore probably. I don't know. Tim, Tim Pool had some interesting observations. Um, and I, I want to – I think he says it probably as good as anybody. Now, now Tim Pool is not considered a Trump supporter. He's not considered a, a right-wing individual. However, he makes comments occasionally that people – go after him for because he he asks serious questions and people will say this is why people think you're a, you're, you're a right right winger because right wingers are this way um he was he was interviewing somebody the other day and i, I wish i would have recorded this one or, or saved it because it was it was actually pretty good um he was going after this guy for saying that people were racist and it had nothing to do with racism at all actually um He he put the guy he put the kind of put the guy in his place and the guy of course then he attacked him and said this is why people think you're a right winger because you're 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 far right winger whatever because you're a racist you you do realize and this and this is something that Dinesh D'Souza has pointed this out many times very very documented it very well is it the far right is it considered far right to be racist see because the somehow the Democrats like to say that it's the white supremacists who are the racist. They're the racist Nazis. They're the Ku Klux Klan. Um, it, it, how did they pull this off? I'll tell you, well, I'll tell you how, how they pulled it off. Because, because the Republicans didn't push back. Nobody fought them back on the information war. And then you have these individuals in colleges professors supposedly professing misinformation, disinformation, really. They redefine history. The Nazis were the National Social Socialist Working Workers' Party. They were socialists. Democratic socialism. They elected Hitler. The, the way this works is they flipped everything onto the Republicans. Oh, it's the Republicans that are racist. And the Republicans have never pushed back on that. Democrats were by, by and large, they were all the the. Black community was, by and large, they were Republican initially. It was the Republican Party that Abraham Lincoln started that. The Democrats were the party of the South. They were the party of slavery. They were the party of white supremacy. They were the party of the KKK. Senator Byrd, for example, was, the, was a grand kuka or whatever it is. He was pupa, whatever they are. Of the KKK, and he was the head of the Democrat Party. But, oh, he had made amends, and he was, he's a wonderful person now. FDR <clears throat> supposedly flipped them all because he gave everything, you know, he was going to give all this stuff away. And, of course, Johnson was the one who, Lyndon B. Johnson was the one who uh, actually, he was a, I don't know. I don't care what anybody says. He was a, he was one of the worst racists we ever we've ever had in this country as a leader. He's caught on on record on recordings saying things about why he believed in giving the black community things, giving them welfare, just different things like that. The reason he was for that. People get enslaved in that mentality. 
It's one thing to have a safety net. It's a whole other thing to have your whole life set up around the idea of getting on government support. And the fear of losing that because you vote for the wrong person. If, you, if you're proud of yourself because you're able to get government support and live your life on the dole, well, good for you. Living your life on someone else's labor is what you're doing. Well, it's not fair because I'm whatever. I'm oppressed or whatever it is. Who, really, who told you you're oppressed? Well, I have, I had, I've had struggles. Yeah, I've had struggles. Struggle's not always a bad thing, you know. When a duck struggles to get out of its eggshell, there's a reason for that. If, it, if, you, if you take the duck out of the eggshell, it probably will not survive. The act of getting out of its eggshell stimulates something in its brain and it, and it causes it to have this surviving mentality. If you do everything for it, it just expects everything to be done for it. It's just, just there's something that happens there. I don't know. It's, just, it's a weird phenomenon. At least that's what I've been told. I'm not, a, I'm not an anthropologist. That may be the wrong word. I'm not an epidemiologist and I'm not a lawyer or tax advisor. Life coach, not any of that stuff, especially for ducks. I'm not, I'm not a good coach for ducks. If you're, if you're a duck and you're wanting some advice on your life, I'm not, don't call me. I'm, I'm not the guy. In case you're, and if you're a duck, then you can understand what I'm saying. I, I'd like, I would like to talk to you though. I'd like to have you on the show, on the show actually. It'd become interesting. The, uh, yeah. So I've got this Tim Pool thing. Now this is, this is, a, this is what they call a, uh, a short on YouTube. I, I found myself, unfortunately, and this, I guess I think this is kind of like TikTok. Unfortunately, I've, I've found myself, I wouldn't say I'm addicted to it, but I do find myself going down the rabbit hole of swiping, you know, to the next one a lot. Now, I have to say, when, when you're looking at something like a, a videos, when you're watching videos about welding, I'm trying to learn how to TIG weld. So I'm looking at all these videos on TIG welding and Aluminum and stainless and the different things you have to do for one or the other and all this stuff. I'm, I'm right, right now. I'm really fascinated with laser welding. It's it's kind of an I, it's it's expensive, but I'm I'm trying to kind of setting up a you know possibly setting up a like a custom fab a part time kind of a hobby custom fab shop that I can make some money at when I when I when I graduate when I retire. And if I uh, invest in the thing now and try to learn how to use it, maybe in a few years, I'd be able to you know, start this custom custom fabrication shop, be able to kind of make anything. I want to be able to make just about anything. If somebody comes to me and says, oh, we need this, I, I can make that. And I'll have the time to do it because I'm retired. I need to have the facility and the, and the tools and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm trying to make, you could say it's a, it's a, it's a semi-retirement investment I'm trying to make right now. I'm trying to invest in some things like tools and knowledge and setting myself up so that I can kind of transition from, you know, I'm kind of almost semi-retired now. I'm going to call it that. But I guess I, what I want to do is, uh, I basically want to be, be able to, to ease into that with, with the, the funds to make that happen so that I can continue to kind of have something, you know, that's a value when I go to, fully retire and go into the nursing home. Uh, that way I can just sell all that stuff and it's all gone. And away we go. So that's, that's kind of my plan at this point. That's, that's, that's my, my thinking. Hopefully I, my health remains the same and I can do those kinds of things and we can still go on vacations and travel the world and travel around the country and go camping and that kind of stuff, see, see the country. My wife hasn't seen. I've seen a lot of the country, but my wife hasn't seen that much. So we're going to travel around with with the puppy dogs. Let them see. They they've traveled all over the country, by the way. They've been to Colorado. They've been all over the place. They're adventure dog. I call them the adventure dogs. Um. So anyway, yeah. There you go. That's my that's my life story. It's my life plans. It's my five year plan. 
It's my 10-year plan, right? It's my 20-year plan. I don't know. So I have, um, it's hard to believe I'd be, be functioning at all in 20 years. It's just, I just, it's hard to believe, but I guess it's possible. Grandpa was in his 90s. I guess that'd be 30 years. Yeah. So we have, um, I have this thing from Tim Poole, and I'm going to try to play this um, because I think it's, I think it's worth playing. Um, oh, shoot, I just tapped on it. Well, I'm going to go ahead and play it. Just, you're just going to play it and get it out of the way. How, how about that? We'll just, we'll just do it. Uh, well, it's not playing. It's not, uh, dude, there we go. It's not just that Trump has been indicted on like 91 or 94 counts. It's not just that they've arrested his lawyers. It's not just that a couple of his lawyers have just been sentenced to five and six years of probation for being his lawyers. It's not just that they're going after Alex Jones in what is clearly going to destroy a media outlet uh, and that he got no trial for it. It's yeah, not just that Donald Trump was found in a summary judgment to have committed fraud without a trial in New York. It's not just that a judge said Donald Trump's properties are worth a fraction of what they're actually worth, even to the protest of uh, uh, of finance experts and real estate experts. It is not just that they have been targeting Trump supporters, J6ers, solitary confinement. It's not just that far leftists have received no penalty for the hundreds who stormed the Capitol recently. They light, light slap on the wrist. It's not just. Now, you get what he's doing there. He started off with, it's not just that they've done this. It's not just that they've done that. And then at the end, he says, it's not just. In other words, there's no justice. He's, people are real. And, and, and by the way, Tim Pool has a, a huge following. Joe Rogan has a huge following. They are both going down this line of reasoning. They're both realizing, and they're both very, being very vocal about this. That, that it's, it's right in front of us. It's plain. It's, it's, it's as plain as day. What's, what's happening here? This is political persecution. I don't like it on either side. There are people who have actually committed crimes, Joe, Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, John Kerry, who have gotten away with it. They're, they just walk scot-free. I would even say Mitch McConnell is guilty of some of this. There are people on the Republican side as well who've been doing some very nefarious things. But it is rampant in the Democrat Party. They have infiltrated the, the left-wing liberal radicals have absolutely infiltrated education, government, the legal system, and I would say even some many industries, areas of marketing, And media, news organizations. This is what my book is about. My book is called The Conspiracy with a question mark after it. The subtitle is Evidence of Things Unseen. It is not out yet. It needs to be finished next year because I don't know that uh, it's going to be worth printing after that. The whole idea here is that all these things seem to be coming together in the, in the area of technology, big tech as we call it, government, education, even in the areas of the food industry, banking, government, all this stuff. And it is a, an ideology that's sweeping the nation. Now, I, I've uh, recently, Candace Owens, uh, if, you know, if you know who she is, I think she's on her second child, maybe second or third, maybe possibly. She's, she's very, she's, she's, I think she, maybe she's already had her 
this child. She, she was, she's got a lot of recordings of her. She's gone on a lot of, a lot of shows recently and she's just being a bomb. She's just being, she's just being, she just blows the left away with her stupid comments. She just, she doesn't even let, they get the words out of their mouth and she just nails them to the wall. Now she is very pregnant in these, in these confrontations. One of the things she said recently, she, she was, um, it was pretty interesting. She was in this group and she was actually talking to a group of young people and she was, it was an inspirational type of uh, meeting. And of course the, the usual showed up in the, in the back and they wanted to, they were protesting and they were complaining and they were the complainers. They were the ones who were whining and crying and wanting reparations and all this kind of stuff. And it was, it went on and on with this whole thing. And interestingly enough, she, she, she makes the contrast. She makes the statement, the obvious statement in the room that nobody else is willing to make. She, she says, the people in the front here are the people who are asking the right questions. They're looking to the future. They're looking at the future and what they can become. They're not looking at the past and blaming someone else for their problems right today. The people in the back are the ones who are complaining and blaming someone else and wanting someone else to pay for the mistakes that they've made. She said, it'll be interesting in 10 years to see who's made it, who's been successful in life, who's produced something and been successful, and where they are in life compared to the, to the others, the one group compared to the other group. Now, statistically, a lot of those people in the back will become people in the front. It does happen. It, it ironically, at much higher to a much higher degree, over over fifty percent greater conversion rates. They're, of the people who switch sides, there's there's almost a it's almost twice as many people switch from being leftists to becoming conservatives than they do the other way around. This is, and this is interesting. There's a lot of concepts here. Um, one, of the, one of the things that was recently done was um, this one, one girl was, she's on, on TikTok crying. <clears throat> this has gone viral. She's crying about the fact that she has to get up at early in the morning and she has to go ride the, the she, has, she, lives, she doesn't, can't live in the city because it's too expensive. And she works nine to five. So she has to get up at like six in the morning, 6.30 in the morning. So she can get ready to go so she can get on the train or the bus or whatever it is, however it is she gets into town because she can't afford a car. So she goes into the bus, on the bus, gets into town, starts her, starts her work, gets off at five. And she says, if I, if I was working remote, that would be fine. I'd be off at five and I'd be done. I could do, do stuff. But then she has to go to, to, to get to the bus station or whatever it is, the train station, whatever it is she go, which she does. Then she has to get out, you know, get on the, she should, it takes her an hour and a half to get home. So it's 630. Then she has to prepare something for supper, do whatever shopping she needs to do for whatever, you know, she, she hasn't, has to get anything on the way home. I, 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 would, I would imagine the way, the way she makes it sound, she basically says, I'm, I, I eat supper, I take a shower and I have to go to bed because I have to get up. Doesn't have time to go out with any friends or doesn't have time to work out. And then I would imagine that her weekends, if it's anything like my life, when I'm home, first of all, you're just wiped out the first part of the day. If you have Saturday off, <clears throat> if you have anything to do with a family, you know, you got, you got to do those things. Then you have chores. You have to do laundry. You have to get groceries. You have to fix the stuff that's broke. You have to have any kind of meetings that you need to get done, banking, whatever you got to get done in the morning before the bank closes. And maybe, <clears throat> maybe you got the energy to go out on a Saturday night. But your weekend is pretty much, of course, then of course, if she does go out on a, week, on a weekend, on a Saturday night, she, you know, then, then she's going to sleep in on Sunday, of course. And you get prepared for your week ahead. Start preparing your meals, start preparing all your stuff and, making sure you, you know, whatever shopping you need to do before you head into the week again. Maybe have a little break to read, read a book or whatever, whatever you're going to do <clears throat> at that point. You could read a book on the guys on the train. And she's just, she's, she's whining and crying that this is, this is just too hard. 
And of course, everybody over the age of 25 is saying, welcome to life, sweetie. This is what life is. Suck it up, buttercup, and just do the thing. You're not going to have, you're not going to be rich your first, you know, 10 years of your life. Maybe not in the first, the second 10 years of your life. Of your life, when I, when I say that, I mean, after you get out of coddle school, until you're in your 30s or 40s, maybe even into your 50s. Most people don't earn, their, their highest potential of earning is typically in their, their late 50s. Mid to late 50s is when they really reach their their best earning potential. And they have about 10 years there before they retire or they're at their, at their peak of earning potential. But keep this in mind. Here's something to think about. I, I'm going to look this up because I believe Colonel Sanders. Uh, let's just take a look here. KFC Sanders started I think he was I think he was 82. Colonel Sanders, Colonel Harland David Sanders was an American businessman who found and founded fast food chain Kentucky Fried Chicken. He later acted as the company brand uh, ambassador and a symbol of his name. Um it's, it seems to me like he didn't fry his first chicken until he was like 82 years old. What was he? Uh, he was born in Utah in 1952. He opened his first one in 1952. He devoted himself to the franchise. Uh, uh, there's his biography. Uh, it's... it's uh, Man had appointed her as driver's. Let's see what let's see what this says. This is his biography. I'm pretty sure he fried chicken. It would launch the fastest food chain. Food chain is at the age of forty. At the age of forty, Harlan Sanders was running a popular Kentucky service station that also served food. So popular, in fact, that the governor of Kentucky designated him a Kentucky Colonel. So that's that's how he got the name Colonel. He was the Colonel of of uh, chicken. Eventually, Sanders focused on franchising his fried chicken business around the, the country, collecting payment uh, for each chicken he sold. So he, it was a franchise deal. Uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. Sanders died in Louisville, Kentucky, on December 16, 1980. I didn't realize he. I, I thought he was. Old. I thought he was into the 80s. I thought he didn't realize he died in 80. He was born September 9, 1890. Um, at, at the age of 40, Sanders was running a service. To, yeah, okay, that's, that's the same thing there. In 1952, Sanders began franchising his chicken business. So in 1952, uh, that's when he that's when he started his his franchise chicken business, and he was born in. I just read it. Where was it? 1890, September of 1890. So in 52, he was 62 years old. He was my age when he started his the franchise of his of his business. Up until then, he was just a cook, basically. Now he had to have some business planning and some other things, and he had to have some business sense. Obviously, he was running a gas station, the uh, food little food section of the gas station, which was un un unusual back in the, those days. But apparently, you know, obviously he, he had the right right formula. The thing was popular, so he started started doing things. But he was think about how old he was when he at his highest earning potential. He probably was. He probably didn't do that with the cash. He probably, he probably had some financing. You know how he got the funding to do all that to, to franchise. Franchising a business is inter an interesting concept. I had a business uh, back in the. 90s, early 90s, and I'd, I'd seriously thought about franchising the business. Actually, it was when was it? It was it was in late 90s, mid 90s. No, it was in the 80s, in the late 80s, and I was seriously thinking about franchising the business. And it's it's a it's kind of a self financing way to duplicate yourself it's it, it you you you're not really in charge of the of the business even though it's your brand name you're not actually opening the stores now there are there are companies out there that actually open the stores <clears throat> they don't sell off the franchise and they actually I, th I think Starbucks is that Starbucks is that way 
I think every Starbucks, it's not, it's not owned by an individual. They, Starbucks actually owns all of their facilities. If it's not Starbucks, there's, there's one of those. There's a, there's a lot of chains that are like that, that actually own all their facilities. Whereas like a McDonald's, this is the way Ray Kroc did it. Uh, not actually Ray, Ray Kroc didn't start it, but he, Ray, Ray Kroc did this. He, he, um, he opened up the franchise and what you would do is you would pay – at one point, it was like a million dollars. A million bucks, put up a million dollars and you open a, open a McDonald's. Now, McDonald's provided everything for that, that price and including all of the demographic studies, which was the, the key to a McDonald's. You rarely and you still rarely ever see a McDonald's fail. If a McDonald's closes or the building is torn down, it's because they're rebuilding a new one, probably in the same area. Probably. Now, if they do tear it down or close it out, it's probably because that the demographics in that area have probably changed. McDonald's was famous among the business leaders of their time for knowing that the, it was all about demographics in an area when they put up a, a, a store, a, a franchise. They were so good and so polished at what they were doing with it that they did not have anything that was unsuccessful in, in initial franchise openings for like 20 years. I don't, I don't think, I don't think a, a, a McDonald's closed for 20 years. There were just opening stores. I call them stores, not restaurants. That's not really a restaurant, but it's food places. And this was, this was unheard of, especially in restaurant business. The way they did that was they had local individuals who – say I wanted to start a – I'm going to put up a McDonald's. I put up the money and I basically they, they even – at another point, they started doing their own financing. Actually had a bank system associated with what they were doing that the, they would help you with the financing. Now, you were in charge of running the thing. You were in charge of managing the business as the franchise owner. However, they trained you for with everything. But the whole point was they weren't liable for any of the financing. You were on your own to finance it. Now, if you had a million bucks in the bank and you want to say, hey, I'm going to take my retirement fund and I'm going to go ahead and open a McDonald's. Great. You're the only one in and you're making all the money. And it's, and it's a moneymaker from day one to the end until you sell it. And you, that's, that's a great way to invest your money. Now, I'm not saying McDonald's is there now because they've kind of saturated and that happens. But they're, they're still opening stores. They're still opening McDonald's all over the country. There's new, new locations all the time. Sometimes they're a block away from the other one. But for some reason, there's a difference in the demographics and they just open it up. This is the key to, to you know, business and, and earning potential and all those things. And you don't, you don't see that in your 20s. I'm sorry, sweetie. There is such a thing as salad days. There is such a thing as paying your dues. I, you know, that term, and that, I got to be honest with you, that term when I was younger, when I was in my 20s, I hated that term. I felt like, you don't know, I've been through all kinds of stuff. You don't know what I've been through. I've paid my dues. No, no, I, no, I hadn't paid my But you know what? The more you pay your dues and the more you buckle down, and my mom used to say, buckle down and get your homework done. Buckle down. It just means keep your face forward, keep your, keep your chin into it, keep moving forward. Don't sit around, sitting around and complaining, by the way, sitting around and complaining has never, you know, I've never heard anybody who's successful say, well, thank goodness when I was younger, I sat around and complained about it. That's what really, that's what, that's where my breakthrough came was from sitting around and complaining about it. That's when the solution started pouring in, <clears throat> when I started complaining. You're wasting that energy on that. Well, I can't do it because I got to have this or that or the other thing. Well, good for you. First, two words you said were really what stopped you. I can't. 
That's what stopped you right there. What you say is, well, this isn't working, so I need to find a way. And you go from there. Now, sometimes that gets you in trouble. Sometimes that gets, leads you into something that you think is not so much fun. I, this, this happened to me in business. I, was, I, was, I had gone through all this training and I, had, I was looking for a career. I was trying to change, you know, get a, get, develop this career in this particular field. <clears throat> Nobody was hiring me. So I went off and started my own thing. And at that, at that point, I realized that um, uh, things were taking off. And I was seeing other, my peers that were around me, they were sitting around waiting for jobs. Some of, some of them got jobs. Some, some of them continued on, you know, the, the payroll. They've been on the payroll all their life. Never went out and tried to do anything on their own. They just sat around hoping to get a raise. If they, you know, pleased their masters well enough, they could get their, get their raise. Well, that <clears throat> doing what I did changed my whole mentality about the industry itself and the career and everything else I did from that point on. And it, at one point, somewhere along the line, money was not a motivator for me anymore. And it, it, I, it ruined me for any, any employer that I had after that. In fact, I had a couple employers tell me that. I'm not sure how to motivate you because, you, you know, you don't really seem to be care, care about money at all. Yeah, that's, that's the whole point. I want to do what I do with passion. I want to do it because I want to do it. I don't want to do, throwing money at me is not going to, I mean, it does. Don't get me wrong. Money, money will change the whole equation. I mean, because at some point you got to eat. At some point, it's nice to have the money to afford the things that you want to do. But it's not a motivating factor for what I choose to do as a career or what I choose to do on a daily basis. I can find other ways to make money. If it's just about making money, that's okay, I'll, I'll do that. And it has, it has, has made things tight for me sometimes. It has made paying the bills a little bit difficult sometimes. But, but that I was, I've, I've gone through times when I couldn't pay, pay the bills. I've gone through times when I couldn't afford to eat much of anything. And I, and I got through all that, and I think it, it changed my attitude on, you know, I can survive this. I did it once, I can do it again. I don't want, I don't want to go through I don't want to do it again. But because of that, I was willing to take risks. Because what, what's, what, what's the worst that could happen to me? I could end up not having to eat, not, not having anything to eat for two weeks. So, so what? I've done it before, survived it, could do it again. So it's, it's, it changes the mentality, I think. Um, and I think that's where the key is, these, some of these young kids. If you don't go through those struggles, there's something in your brain that never happens. You don't ever get past that ability and, and I, just, I just don't know it's it's The mentality I'm seeing with, with – and, of course, this comes straight from you know, college – everybody gets a college education now. You, you, you have to have a college education. And now we're finding that the trades out there that people used to just go into like welding, plumbing, heating and air conditioning, building, the, the kind of trades out there that were once you know, people would just naturally kind of go into, they're, they're – highly in demand now. While one person goes off to college and the other person learns a trade and ends up in the same four years is now making six figures and the other person has a six-figure debt over their head with a degree that doesn't pay them squat. Well, I have a degree in social economics. Oh, okay, just go out to the social economics store and get a job and then get some experience and then you can... That's going to pay off for you real big someday.
if you would have gone off and started a business of your own, you probably would have learned more in those four years than somebody who got an MBA. At 19 years old, I started my own business. By the time I was decided to go to college, which I would think I was 20, how old was I? 23? 24? 23? 24? I was older than that. Yeah, 20. 24. Went off to college for one year. Never got a degree. And figured out very quickly that the kids that were, you know, that were my age, that were in college, who were getting ready to graduate, had no clue what the real world was like out there. Very few of them did. And it, I, I, all these experiences, I think, accumulated into something that I think um, even the professors I had, some of them were awesome because they had actually gone off and experienced life and came back and taught in college. There are so many professors who grew up in academia. They went to high school and they went to college. Then they went to college some more and got their master's. And they went to college some more and got their doctorate. And they got hired as a professor to teach the things that they had not experienced at all. And in that, there, there are so many, I'm not saying all professors are this way. I'm just saying there are so many professors out there. There are so many people who teach, are teaching in our higher education, our higher learning institutions who have not really experienced the reality of what life is really like out there. They live in this idealistic, utopian possibility of if we just do these things, life will be utopia for everyone. Social justice. There was, a, there was a pastor I was listening to the other day, really, really good. Uh, I I would like to just the next time I get asked to speak someplace, I just like to play his his, his it's it's like a fifty minute, forty five minute video of him preaching, and he just he goes on about this whole thing of social justice and how it's creeped into the church and what it really is. It's an ideology and how, why it's a false doctrine. It is it is powerful stuff. What's nice about it and what's good about it, in my opinion, and one of the things that makes it a little bit more, I think, powerful in some ways is it's coming from a man who's black. And he, he just lays out the whole case very well. Now, of course, if it was a white man doing it, well, you're just you're white privilege. Blah, 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 blah. Of course, now he's just an Uncle Tom, of course. But they, he, it, it, in my opinion, it's more convincing it's it's a little bit less prone to criticism because of who's who you know who's who's presenting the material because you see politics facts and, and, and this whole thing of feelings <clears throat> feelings can fail you you can't trust your feelings how you feel about something does not make it valid I, anyways, I just, there's, I've listened to several people, but I'm, again, Candace Owens, I think, was, was the one that brought this up recently in a little talk thing that she was doing. And she said when, when she was pregnant with her first child, her, hormone, her, her hormones were all over the place. And she was scared of all kinds of things. She had feelings about all kinds of things. At one point, she went through, I think she was in her third trimester. She said she, she felt scared to have her husband anywhere but right next to her. If he, if he was anywhere if he, he was down in the basement and she was upstairs, she, she felt like he was, too, he was too far away from her. He was con she was concerned about him going outside and being eaten by pigs because she had seen a documentary about some lady who got killed by some wild pigs. They, li they live in Virginia. Yeah, there's not too many wild pigs there. And she, she had all these weird fears And her husband had to put her back and say, this is not reality. 
you know, your, your feelings are real, but the, the reality is that you're, they're, they're not, it's not true. Facts as, as, and I don't necessarily go along with everything that, uh, Oh, what's the guy's name? Ben Shapiro. He says, facts don't care about your feelings. That's a very good statement, by the way. Facts don't care about your feelings. Well, I feel like, you know, you you ask people on the street, how many people are, how many black men are killed every year in America? How many unarmed black people are killed every year in America by, by cops? Oh, thousands. Most of them will answer, oh, there's, there's gotta be at least thousands. At least probably a thousand a year. And when you find out it's 19, 19 people were killed. Uh, it was last year. It was 19. I think it was last year, 2022. 19 people were killed. Unarmed black men were killed by police. 19. Of those 19, there was only two or three that actually were not threatening the police officers. I think one one of them was an accidental discharge, and I think I think another one was possibly a uh, an individual who was killed. It was it was uh, what do they call it? It was uh, an unintentional. Uh, they were shooting at one guy and actually hit somebody else. Oh, that's how. Yeah, something something to that effect. It was a. Collateral damage, I was going to call it that, or just collateral, uh, accidental. Stuff happens like that. I mean, it just happens. Doesn't make the officer evil for doing it. Don't get me wrong. There are some bad cops out there. So... Yes, this is the this is the ridiculousness that we live in because the, the the media has the media and people in the on the left have hyped it up to the point where people think that, oh they're just slaughtering you know slaughtering black people all the time and that is not the case at all. In fact, most cops are reluctant to even shoot at a black man because they're they're in the back of their head they're thinking oh this is not going to look good I'm a white guy shooting a black guy and this is even though my life's being threatened. There's hesitancy. And that can kill you. That can end up with a cop dead. And again, it's, it all comes down to training and poor training and then it's education of the, of the public in general. And the hysteria that fall, flows around. Oh, I, I know what it was. Uh, there was another, another – I was think, trying to think of another one. Uh, Tim Poole got accused of being a, a racist and he was – uh, this guy was talking about uh, – I think it was Chenk Uger actually was talking about – he was calling everybody racist. Oh, they're racist, racist. This racist cop, Chauvin is what his name? I don't know what his name. Uh, who, who was the one who was accused of killing George Floyd. He murdered George Floyd because he's a racist. He's a racist who murdered George, George Floyd. Okay, so you know that this guy, this police officer killed him because he was black. Would he have treated this guy any differently if he was white? That's – oh, of course he would have. Uh, really, do you know that? This guy has had nothing on his social media pages about being racist to anybody. He doesn't, hasn't had any other, other accusations. And he's sitting in prison for murder right now. George Floyd had three different autopsies done. Two were by the state and were determined, both of them determined that he died of an, of an overdose, fentanyl. It's believed, I mean, even his girlfriend stood by and said, he's just, he's crazy, watch out. It's believed that because he had this stuff on him when the police approached him about 
the issue that he had, I think, which I think he was trying to pass off a $20 bill, fake $20 bill, and there were some other issues he was causing some problems, disturbance. So when they confronted him about it, when, when they were approaching him, it's believed that he swallowed all the drugs that he had on him. Whatever they call it, an eight ball or whatever they, whatever they had, I don't know. And, of course, the, the very thing that you die from, he, he had like eight times the normal amount of fentanyl in his body This legally. Many times more, four times, eight times, whatever it was. The, a, a normal dose, which I think is more, more than normally would kill someone. It's determined it would kill someone. Of course, now you build up a tolerance to this stuff you're taking all the time. So I guess you could, you could potentially say that, well, you could take more of it. That, that, that's beside the point. He, was, he still had more of it in his body. And he said he couldn't breathe. Guess what it is that it causes? It causes respiratory shutdown. They put him in the squad car. He said he couldn't breathe. That's why they got him out of the squad car. He was saying he couldn't breathe before he even had him on the, on the pavement, before he even had his knee on his shoulder. Now, of course, the way the camera was faced in, one, in one, of the, one of the pictures, it looked like it was on his neck. Maybe it was. I don't know. But there were other pictures that showed, obviously, it was on his shoulder blade to hold him down. It's a large man, but he's been made out to be this Messiah who has never sinned. And I think that's a little bit extreme on both sides. The cops were poorly trained. There were cops there that day who had nothing to do with, with the guy. They were just trying to do their job, and they are also in prison to this day or got, got lost their job and got probation or whatever they got. And they're publicly, for the rest of their lives, they will be living in hiding, probably. It, it is, and of course, Tim Poole was trying to explain this to the guy who was, to Cenk to Cenk Uger, and Cenk Uger was like, oh, you're, you're defending it. Why are you defending this guy? This is, this is why people think that you're a, a left, uh, you're a right-wing, uh, right, you know, alternate, right-wing alternate, whatever it is. Extreme right-wing person. No, he's just bringing up the facts. He, he, didn't, he didn't care. He's like, I don't, well, I don't care what, what you think of me. I don't care. You call me whatever you want because this is, this is what happened. So why, you know, why were there so many... When it brings this whole thing up and Chink just doubles down on the guy. And every, everything's racist. And then, you know, that way you can add in all kinds of other superlatives about the person. He's an blah, 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 racist. Because that word is supposed to shock people into, oh, yeah, I don't want to associate with him. Oh, yeah, he's an evil. Soon as the person's racist, then they're evil. And they have the right to degrade them and humiliate them, and they're not a person anymore. And that's, that's probably the, the key, the biggest point that we, we run into sometimes with the way we throw around people like the, the people of Hamas. What, what's motivating them? And they are still human beings. The people, the people of Gaza, of course, they're, they're still human beings. Of course they are. But we have this issue of, a, of an ideology. From the river to the sea, Gaza shall be free, uh, Palestinians will be free, whatever, whatever the term is. There are children marching through hallways right now, today, probably today, chanting that statement, from the river to the sea, Gaza will be free, the Palestinians will be free, Palestine will be free, whatever it's they're calling it. And those children have no idea that what that, what that term is, what that statement means, is that there will be no Jews in Israel. They want to push them into the sea. They want to kill them all. That's what that means. The children don't know that, but the teachers do. The children 
Forgive them, Father, for they know, what, know, know not what they do. At that point, they're just, at least most of them probably, don't understand what they're saying. They just think that they're fighting for social justice and the freedom of these people that are oppressed. They don't realize that that statement, what it means, is that they're advocating the death of the Jews. Now, the teachers, they know it. And for them, I would say, it is better that a millstone be tied around their neck and they be thrown from the river into the sea than the judgment they're about to face because they've caused these little ones to stumble. This is where the sickness festers. This is where it grows. These young people who have no idea, they get fed this idea that half of the population of Gaza are children. Half of the population is unemployed. Of course, because half of it's children and unemployed. Why, why would children be working? I mean, the numbers just, you start, I, we went, I went through this whole thing. I went through all the numbers at this Finkelstein. I, I talk about it every day because I'm just so appalled by the fact that nobody asks questions about these. They throw these kinds of numbers out there and nobody asks questions about it. They just go, oh, wow, I didn't realize that. Oh, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, when, when anything's sensationalized to the point where, wow, that's really amazing numbers. Those are amazing numbers. Look into it a little bit. Do some math because it doesn't add up. But nobody asks those questions. They just they sit there and, huh, well, that's, I mean, their ears twerk because it's like, well, that's kind of weird. That's kind of, huh, what, really? Oh, wow, didn't realize that. Yeah, it's unsustainable. That's why you didn't realize it. It's because it's stupid. It's because it's, it's, it's a lie. It's, it's been estimated now that they've, they've found these channels where these billions of dollars have been poured into Hamas from around the world. Where's all the money going? Gaza could be self-sustaining. They get plenty of aid from around the world. They get plenty of money from the UN. They get plenty of money. Even, even Israel sends them aid. They would be fine. On, see, they're not occupied. They are quarantined, but they're not occupied. All of the aid and the money that they get, guess what it goes to? That they would all be able to live just fine. I think the average wage there, I think, is $180 a day, which is, that's actually, that's way above the poverty line for that, for that area. It's, it's not like they're living on $2 a day. But no, they, because the reason is because they use it all to get to, to, in their battle against the Jews, war. War has made more countries and more people poor. It cripples people. It's not, it's not just the killing that happens. It's the maiming that happens. The people who end up with no arms or no legs can't see. And they become people that society now has to help has to take care of because of war. They're not a burden to society necessarily, but it, but it does add to the amount that we have to do, all because of choices that some politician made, not because of their choice. It's not blaming the person who's now handicapped because of it. I'm not blaming them. Blaming the people who made the choices that led to that. If we elected them, then absolutely we have a responsibility now to take care of them. In this country, it's because we are the government. We are the ones who elect our representatives. So now we are responsible. This is why we need to speak up. It's a complicated and yet simple issue. And I, 
I'm sorry that my show is apparently uh, at its at its conclusion today. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm not sure what's going to happen the rest of the week. Uh, there's a possibility I may end up uh, gone traveling around for four days. It's a possibility that I may just be sitting around tomorrow. I, the uh, At this point, tomorrow does not look good for me having a show tomorrow morning. However, I may have a show this evening, and I, what I will do is I will record it for tomorrow and post it tomorrow. And that may just be happening all week long the rest of the week. I don't know. I just have no idea. Uh, because it's just uncertain at this point. Uh, my schedule, first day of my schedule here is uh, for the next couple of weeks. Uh, this week it's tomorrow. Next week it will be Wednesday again. The following week it will be Thursday, Friday uh, for the for the following couple of weeks of, of November. First couple of weeks of November it's going to be Monday, Tuesday shows for sure. And then after that, I don't know. Who knows? So we'll go from there. Folks, I'd like to thank you for listening again. And... Uh, Please uh, pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders. Pray for those who have influence, that their eyes would be open and they'd be able to help educate the rest of us. Pray for our schools, our institutions, to be led by people who are have vision. God bless, folks. Have a great week. Have a great night.